Well, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of Canadian women's national team news to talk about this week, which means that we're going to go ha- have to, you know, go back to fully covering Toronto FC and Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. And right now, that's not the most fun thing in the world. But nonetheless, my name is Mitchell Tierney. And thankfully, we at least get to chat some Canadian championship as well on this week's show with Benedict Rhodes who of KMPL.ca, who will be joining us in just about 15 minutes or so. Plus some updates from Benny on our National League as a whole. But first, as always, it's Michael Singh. It's Jeffrey P. Nesker. How are we feeling, gentlemen? Benny of CanPL.ca? Dang. <laughs> He's got a, that's got a ring to it, eh, Ben? I like yeah. it. I like it. Benny moving up on the world. I'm excited to, to chat with him. Uh, not excited to chat about some TFC because... <laughs> You know, I feel like that's just been the motto this entire year is, as I think we were talking about this, like, before the show, it's just sad times with, with Toronto FC right now. Um, but, I mean, we'll get into more of it soon. Jeff, what's going on, my guy? How you doing today? A ah, little bit of technical difficulties off the hop. It's like a, it's like a wet armpit in my apartment today, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gonna try to hang out with you guys but what does that even mean a, a wet armpit like what does that even mean what what are you what trying you, to describe there what do you think it means think about it's like, like humid a, yeah 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 very humid. message received <laughs> gotcha. i got you i got you i only uh only caught you know maybe a good five minutes of, of the pre-show ramble but just spent most of it dabbing his forehead so i think that's unfortunately <laughs> what uh what he's gonna have to be dealing with just playing through the the heat this week but Toronto FC yeah let's let's just get into it unfortunately they another loss this time for the first time this year at BMO field and uh, another late loss this time to the New England Revolution of course the league leading team um obviously some some takeaways from this game Tejon Buchanan absolute banger what a goal um he scored during this game and and a nice little homecoming for him and but, you know, of course, another late mistake from Toronto FC and, and they leave all of the points. That's now four points from five games at BMO Field this season. That's obviously not good enough when, you know, I think the, the return home was was what we were all hoping would be the, the turning point for this season. Yeah, I think you I think you said it right there, Mitch. Um, you know, it's yeah. not good enough. Let me let me put a little bit of a positive spin on this. Obviously, at this point in the season, results is all that matter, right? But I think we can all agree that whatever version of TSC we saw on Saturday night, so much better than where it was at the beginning of the season. And even like at the midway point of the season. Obviously the bar was really low then. So like I hope it's better. But you know, they quite honestly they outplayed new england revolution like that like you guys said the best team in major league soccer right now a team that entered that game five wins one draw in their last six and quite frankly they played them off the park so you know there's there's little things that they have to to fix but at the end of the day like that is a positive performance but i as i tweeted out honestly <laughs> it's it's a little bit too late for moral victories right yep at this point in the season, like all that really matters, and they'll be the first to tell you this, is that they they need three points. And what can they do now to turn those, you know, even of late, just positive performances now into into three points? And that's the million dollar question I think everyone's searching for right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, disag- up, right? I disagree. I disagree. Uh, you know, far be it for me to mention the Club Leon game, but we did pretty good at the beginning of the season. So, um, you know, ML- in the MLS, we didn't, but but certainly at, off the top of the of playing games in earnest, we, we did all right. So I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, I, I don't think we played them off the park. Um, usually playing a team off the park involves uh, three points. So I think we got to be careful with our language here because we're starting to be like unfettered cheerleaders for moral victories and, and this and that and this. The results, results aside, though, Jeff, well, I mean, TSC result- not. Yeah, of course. Like I said, it all comes down to results. Yeah, I mean, I don't think aside, we can put still- results aside. I mean, okay. you know what I mean? Like putting results aside. Uh, we don't have any results. Like it, it becomes kind of a, of a fool's errand in my mind. Like, it, like you said, moral victories are meaningless at this point, you know, uh, uh, talking about the coulda, shoulda, woulda are meaningless at this point. Like, like if, so we... there's no point in even watching the games, just no, no, I'm, of, course I'm gonna, of course I'm going to watch the games, of course. But I mean, in terms of, in terms of going into like a detailed dissertation about how we coulda, shoulda won the game, that that's over now. I mean, we gotta we gotta hunker down and, and win some games, or or I, I don't know. I don't know. This is my disappointment mm-hmm. talking, but I, but, I hear you. That, that's yeah. the, honestly the frustration that's stemming around all of TFC Live. It's all stemming around the locker room. It's stemming around from us, man. Like mm-hmm. TFC at this point, they they're not a last place team in Major League Soccer, but they're they are yeah, a last they place. Are, yeah, you right. Yeah. So. I mean, you're right, Jeff. They, at the end of the day, they need to find a way to turn those performances into three points. But there's still 90 minutes of soccer for us to to dissect. And I mm-hmm. think, in my opinion, at least, you know, possession in that game was what, like 65 to 35 percent TFC. They outchanced New England Revolution. And quite frankly, if it wasn't for another two two slip ups at the back, you know, TFC would have three points, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, we've been saying that so many times this season. If it wasn't for this li- little mistake, if it wasn't for this giveaway, and it hasn't changed and it hasn't gotten better, it, it you know maybe they've been doing it less, but still not enough that they're that they're able to get points out of the games. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that uh, that at this point, you know, it's it's tough to it's tough to talk like that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, look, I'll put it, I'll put it into, into, into a microcosm. Like, you know, when people are saying, well, well, we're not Cincinnati. I mean, put, put your 2021 glasses on. We're worse than Cincinnati, right? Like we've got to start maybe being a bit more realistic about where this team is at. Right. Um, and I, I think that, I think that goes along the roster and I know everybody doesn't want me to talk about, about, the elephant in the room. So I won't until someone else brings it up. But uh, I think, uh, I think we're, we're, we're an island of misfit toys. Um, we have a lot of bad deals on the books. Uh, we all are, are, everybody that was aging on the roster got bit by, by, by father time at just about the exact same instant. Um, it's difficult. I mean, that rebuild that was, I, that rebuild that was in the mail is here now. Um, so, it, it's time to start thinking seriously about what we're going to look like in, in 2022, 2021, 22. What is time? 
um, next 2022, season. 2022, yeah. There's the uh, <laughs> yeah. seasons are just one year. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it doesn't feel like it, Mitch. Yeah, it feels yeah, like they're yeah, about a thousand yeah. years long. But I don't yeah, know, man. Very, yeah. I don't know, Jeff. That seems a bit reactionary, bit knee jerk. Like for me, if we're having this conversation based on you know the whole duration of the season, then you know, yeah, of course. Like, how can you argue that the performances aren't there? But at the same time, like we can't be basing this conversation off off the last game they just played, because that was one of their best performances of the season, despite not getting the result. And yes, we keep having the same conversation about them not getting the result, but I don't think we can actually back that up quite often with their performances. This feels like one of the few times this season we can actually say, come away from that game, say, hey, TFC deserved better that game. I don't know if I'm alone in that boat, but I strongly feel that way, and I think that was genuinely a step in the right direction. That being said, is that step too late? Now, Jeff, you were here for my ramble last week mm-hmm. about what's next now for TFC. These next 11 out of their 15 you know, upcoming games are against teams that are not in a playoff spot. They're against the likes of an Atlanta United, Inter-Miami, FC Cincinnati, Chicago. You know, there is still, you know, potential here that TFC have to, you know, TFC could go on a run. And like, if there is a time for them to go on a run, like now there's no better time than now. But at the same time, like this, these, this week's going to be crucial for them because they're facing two teams that are not in a playoff spot that they need to get points against. So, I mean, I'm not willing to sit here and write them off completely yet, <laughs> but, but we're definitely getting to that point. The more and more that we uh, come away from games disappointed. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I mean, they have four games coming up against teams that they have to directly leapfrog in the Eastern conference standings. Obviously, as you mentioned, two of them this week against, I believe the ninth and 12th place team in the Eastern conference. If they don't get at least one win this week, it's, it's over. It's over. Like, like there's, there's no question. They have, they have to pick up at least one win and probably at least four points from these games. So mm-hmm. this week and the next four, if there was ever a way back in, it's been handed to them. They have that opportunity. There's so many six point games uh, to use a, I guess, hockeyism over the next couple weeks, but they have to, obviously they have to take them and there's no more, there's no more opportunity here. This is your chance and you've got to take it. So obviously a massive week for Toronto FC. Very let's fair. get to Benedict. Let's, let's move on to, to the Canadian championship again, a, a more exciting topic right now is, as that competition once again gets underway after a year off. So let's, let's bring on Benny here. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Now joined by, Friend of the show, canpl.ca writer, known Steph Labe impersonator, Benedict yep. Rhodes. How are you doing, Benny? Mr. Big Time. <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm hot. I'm a little I'm a little humid, but uh see that. Yeah, Felt like a sweating armpit. <laughs> <laughs> Benny's a good Benny. guest. You watch the, the first part of the show here. Mm, always, 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 always. Benny, first of all, Mr. Big Time, Trap Money Bunny. Come on. <laughs> Tell people about your ascension, man. How's how's life been at the Canadian Premier League since uh departing our our grounds here at Wake in the Red, man? Yeah, I don't go as far as saying it's an ascension, but uh yeah, I went, went on loan for a little bit. Uh Canadian Premier League's been pretty awesome. Pretty, been blessed with that opportunity. Uh working with some other Wake in the Red people, of course, as well, Charlie and Brady, among others. And uh yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Could couldn't have gone better, I don't think, and could be sticking around a little bit longer, thankfully. Yeah, let's yeah. go. 
Awesome. Yeah, he gets to not cover Toronto FC for a little bit longer. So, <laughs> so lucky, lucky him. Um, yeah, he picked a good time to dip. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But <laughs> Benny, let's let's get into why we brought you on, which is of course the, the Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Championship as a whole. And obviously, you know, it's back for, for 2021, and we've already seen a game with Cavalry beating FC Edmonton. Um, you know, I guess obviously that's the only game we have anything to take away from so far but what what did we learn about the Cavs in this game and obviously a team that have made noise in this competition before so uh what did you take away from that win did did you hear us sorry oh there we go yeah oh you didn't hear the question the last part of question the last part okay yeah no worries I guess just Calvary obviously a team that's made you know made some noise in this competition before what did we take away from their first game this year yeah they looked really good against fc edmonton i think maybe my hot take coming out of this is maybe they have one of the top defenses in canada um of, of any team in any level <laughs> no it's not a shot at toronto fc i promise but it's like he could start for cf montreal right now if they wanted him to uh, David Norman Jr. looks like he's a very good player. He's a midfielder generally, but dropping back into center back looks really good. Mm-hmm. Then Klump, I think, is MLS level. I think he's maybe the best defender in the Canadian Premier League. Mo Farsi, we all know about his, his ability over the last year or so. And, and uh, yeah, that, that team just didn't let anything happen. Marco Carducci behind them as well in goal is obviously very good. So th- that team is very defensively sound. And I think if you play like the way they did against FC Edmonton, you could, you could be maybe any team in this competition. That segues yeah. into into my question. So, you you think Cavs are deep enough to to make a run in this comp, and do you think uh, they're joined by by any other uh, CPL team? Yes, I think they definitely have a have a chance. I think they are have been bit a little bit by the injury bug, as a few CPL teams have. But look at the, the bracket; like they, they play the winner of the Pacific uh, FC and the Whitecaps. So they've beaten the Whitecaps before, of course. They they've beaten Pacific several times over the years uh yeah kevin um i'm not gonna answer that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah why why not calvary go on another run though i think it's it's definitely possible yeah benny last night pacific absolutely playing valor off off the field there eh are they the best team right now in the canadian premier league yeah, I think so. I think if they, they, they play Cavalry on, on Friday, and that could be a big indicator of, of who's the best team in this league. They're first and second. Pacific go seven points clear with a win in that game, which would obviously be a, a huge lead at this point in the season. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't bet against Pacific. They're they're healthy. They're obviously very good. They have maybe the best player in, in the CPL in Marco Busto. So it's, it's definitely possible that, that they're the best team in the CPL. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the – the Pacific Issei kit in the background. I can see that. So. Yeah, yeah. It's one of a kind. It's a one of a kind kit because <laughs> of the name set. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that that's interesting, Ben, because uh, this season, the year three for the CPL, I mean, year two and a half, if we count the, you know, Island games and all the, and all the, and all the pandemic shenanigans. Um, would you agree with my assessment that we're starting to see some of the coaches that played the long game in the league, such as Rob Gale and maybe uh, the Pacific Association, come to fruition? You know, uh, teams that didn't necessarily have the head start of like Foothills and or Sigma FC to hit the ground running and, and 
Um, to me, this is positive because it means that our league is evolving in a, in a, in a way that, that sort of reflects the natural order of things. But I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it, I think it's probably maybe fair to say all seven or eight teams, if you want to include Ottawa, have looked better than in their first season on paper and and in in practice. I guess I think I think the best example of that is, is Pacific. Some of their young players they had in, in 2019 and 2020 are now key players for them, uh, and then they've sort of supplemented that with big signings like Marco Bustos and and, and uh, some sort of key additions, which sort of move them from a, a good young team into a, a good team that can win right now. Awesome. Yeah, Benny, back to the the Canadian Championship a little bit. From a from a Toronto FC perspective, they'll play the winner of the, I guess you can call it Toronto area, um, you know, matchup part of the bracket between Masters uh, Football Academy and, and York United. Um, what can you tell us about both of those teams and and what Toronto FC can expect from from that matchup in general and their their first opponent? Yeah, don't know a ton about Masters, but I do know they have a couple of names that may be familiar to some people like Akeem Priestley is a 36 year old former Jamaica international playing playing on the wing for them and and if anyone watched the early days of TFC they might know the name Joey Mello oh yeah he played for them in 2007 uh, a couple times and uh so th- their, their team is maybe a little bit older for for League One Ontario but uh they they seem to want to win now they won the the last edition of League One Ontario in 2019 so um they're maybe the toughest opponent from League One Ontario that York could have faced and then York have a lot of League One alumni on their team, and, and their young team made up of, of these sort of guys who, who've graduated from League One Ontario. So I think both teams will be up for this match and wanted to beat the other one. And, and the spot against Toronto FC, which is, I think, what fans in the GTA have wanted for a long time is, is a York or League One Ontario team to face Toronto FC. Yeah, I've always been impressed by, you know, I, I guess it's a one-year sample size, but the League One teams and even the PLSQ teams, like, they did very well against the the CanPL opposition, which I think worried everyone a little bit because it was like, oh, you know, what's the level of the CanPL? And then obviously we saw how the CanPL did against MLS teams. So I think it's pretty clear that the Canadian pyramid as a whole has a lot of talent in it. And, you know, speaking to some of the players on on Masters, um, Canadian international, if I'm not incorrect, Jamie Peters has just started playing for them. He's a player who's been out of the game for a little bit, but played almost 100 times for Ipswich Town back in the day as 21 Canada caps. So there's the level of talent that you can find out, find, you know, throughout this tournament. So certainly something to, to watch out for. Yeah. Uh, ben, what's your favorite thing about the about the tournament? Like, uh, you know, following uh, the FA Cup over across the pond, it's got to be fun seeing the Voyagers Cup sort of become a wider tournament that includes more of the lower leagues and lower divisions and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the FA Cup. I think it's like it's our FA Cup, I guess, here in Canada. And it's always, it's always cool to see teams from leagues that maybe don't often play against each other face off against each other, like you've seen Blainville. Couple times, uh, and then not, well, as, well, as we get to, I'm sure. And then uh, it's always interesting to see League One Ontario teams. There's not really a way to watch League One Ontario, but you get to see them play against a CPL team and kind of give these players a chance to maybe prove that they belong on a CPL roster, or or, or CPL players prove they belong on an MLS roster. You know? Yeah, that's a that's a very good point because as we were saying in our in our group Slack, uh, you know, League One Ontario isn't broadcast on YouTube, so this may be the only opportunity for people that don't go to the games physically to see these these teams in action. So it's a good shop window for them as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a very very good point. All right, Benny, kind of shifting shifting the subject a little bit. I gotta ask, man, what's it like working under 
Christian Jack, the direction of KJ, obviously friend of the show. Feel free to take any jabs at him you want. I'm sure he won't see any of this. Yeah, I won't take any jabs at him. Um, but <laughs> it's obviously it's obviously really cool. You know, someone I've watched, we've all watched over over the last few years um, or many years, I guess, on on soccer here in Canada, and to be able to work alongside him and, and be on a podcast with him, of course, as well, is, has been really really cool. And definitely not taking that for granted. Yeah, any yeah. any words of wisdom he's offered you, or you know, are you gonna keep that in house, Benny? Not, Get not some sleep, like... probably, because Benny <laughs> Benny's been uh, Benny's been like up twenty four seven with the Olympics and and all the all the stuff he's had to cover for the for both uh, both campaigns. But uh, I didn't yeah, want to answer for sleep, it. Sleep was for the week. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not nothing too prophetic uh, from from KJ, but you know, just just day to day learning stuff from him and and the other people there as well. Of course, Marty, Charlie, and Brady, and everyone else behind the scenes as well. It's a, it's a great learning opportunity. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, well, Benny, I, I think that does it for us. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show this week. And, yeah, you know, certainly. Oh, I, I, got, I got one last question. Oh, if, if all right. Um, yeah. Do you think a CPL team is going to pull an upset this year? And if they do, will we put an asterisk on it, the, the dreaded COVID asterisk? And do you think that's fair? Uh, I want to say no asterisk, but I, I mm. think Pacific FC versus Vancouver Whitecaps is going to be a game to watch. Mm-hmm. A lot of former Pacific players, a lot of hungry Pacific players who were former Whitecaps. Marco Bustos, he said he wanted to score against uh, them at BC Place. Obviously, this match won't be at BC Place, but I'm sure he <laughs> won't, sure won't mind uh, scoring at Starlight instead. And I, I think we could we could genuinely see a, a big upset there. Okay, if they beat TFC, I might put an asterisk on it. That's just because I'm a <laughs> TFC homer. I'm, I'm just telling you. I mean, I got the asterisks loaded up. I may even have two asterisks, but uh, because I, I think TFC may lose in in this can champ in our in our current uh, iteration. Like, so. like in the final. Who knows? Yeah, yeah who knows? Who knows? Yeah, we got a final to play against Forge. And then we've got our bye in in this year's tournament. And I have a feeling we're going to uh, disappoint me. On, on both counts. So, so I got my asterisks ready. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right, Benny. Well, now after that, we'll, we'll let you go. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Always and, good yeah, to talk to you. Benny. Uh, thanks, Benny. To, forward to covering this Canadian championship uh, over the next couple of weeks on the show. Thanks Cheers, buddy. Benedict Rhodes, man, growing up in front of our very eyes. <laughs> a force of nature, my friends. An I want to, next time we talk nature. to him, I just want to, I want to hear about the next step he's taken. I want to okay. hear Benny coming back and director of content, Canadian Premier League. Sorry, KJ. Just coming, <laughs> right, coming right for your job. That's, that's Benedict Rhodes right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some great stuff from Benny, of course. Always. always. So yeah. Canadian Championship, fellas. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you guys are looking forward to the most there? Obviously, that competition kicks off, um, or it's already kicked off. And is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to? I mean, the Pacific-Vancouver game, for for obvious reasons. Yeah, That's top of the list right now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think those, uh, obviously, we're talking about the best team in the Canadian Premier League and, and, you know, at least decent side from, you know, in terms of they'll definitely want revenge. Like Vancouver won't want to be the team that goes out to the CanPL side two years in a row, or I guess not quite in a row, but two tournaments in a row. So yep. Yep. I think there's just so much intrigue surrounding that game. 
Yeah, I, I mean, as as Yvonne is saying, I'm I'm looking forward to the off delayed and 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 soon to be forgotten uh, 2020 version, the the final mm-hmm. between Forge and TFC, because I'm a masochist. Um, uh, and and you know, as soon as that's scheduled, I think it will be fun. But, uh, so but let me pose it this way, Jeff: mm-hmm. Has that game lost its hype after obviously the flurry of postponements? Has that no. game lost its hype? No. Is that just because so. you're both a Forge and TFC fan? <laughs> yes. No, I, 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 no, I don't. I, th- I don't think it's lost its hype. I think, I think people are are a bit blasé about it. But once the tickets are announced and and then the hype train begins, I think we'll all remember how important a game it is. I mean, right now we've 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 put it out of our 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 priorities list because there's been no movement of the needle. So, it you know. But since there's I, no Champions League spot on the line, mm-hmm. since they're just playing for a trophy, that's what going to be a year, two years ago. Does it you know, still mean the same? I mean, no, obviously not. But but the 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 law of diminished returns is something we've been dealing with now for for two years running, right? So it is what it is. Um, and it's still it's still silverware, and it's still bragging rights, and that's important. Um, you know, Forge is not uh, taking CPL by storm this year. They've been usurped. They're uh, they're in fourth place last I checked. Um, and uh, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that that could uh, make an unsuccessful season, a potentially unsuccessful season, a bit easier to swallow for the fan base that are used to just railroading the league. So uh, it's you know, it's 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 a it's a dar- it's a derby game. It's it's you know, and it's the first of of what we hope will be many. So at the end of the day, uh, I think it's still important. Yeah. It's not a derby game. It's not an intercity, uh, <laughs> intercity game. It's a, it's a rivalry game. There, there you go. go. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I actually do think it's lost a bit of its luster. I mean, it would be fun to see Toronto FC win two Voyagers cups in one year, as, as you know, that being possible, or Forge for that matter, um, having that, uh, having that possibility. But I think from a Toronto FC perspective, like. I don't think we're going to see a very good TFC side in that game just because like you said, there's no Canadian or there's no CONCACAF roster in line. Like heck maybe Benny's playing left fullback in that game. (laughs) I think we see, I think we very much see the young guns and, and some maybe even TFC two guys get, get rolled out in that game. So Look at yeah, I think I think it's all on to twenty twenty one for me. Unfortunately, the, just the way (laughs) things went that 2020 final, I think will very much, maybe become a forgotten game um in in the grand scheme of things not yeah. to the, not to the supporters played, but... who win it i i think uh and if tfc punts it you know that's that's a lot of ammunition for the uh for you know the 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 forge supporters for the barton street battalion right like mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know I, I'm, with I see... you there, Mitch. I'm with you there i I think it's let's lost its luster um you know definitely not for canadian Premier league supporters because mm-hmm. that's you know, they're taking on an MLS team. They're taking on TFC. At the end of the day, that's going to be very, you know, as people are saying in the chat, you know, there's a lot of pride that go into that. But for TFC, I mean, you're playing for a trophy, which is something they always want. Obviously, you know, two trophies could, I don't think it'll gloss over what happened this year, but it could, you know, make it easier at least. Um, But that being said, like, I'm with you there. I think they roll out the young guns and, you know, there's not much to play for aside from a trophy that's two years, two years old now. Um, 
I mean, to save them for the weekend to get destroyed by FC Cincinnati or Inter Miami at home, I, I don't understand the logic, right? Like at this point, you know, it could be a month from now. And if we're in the same boat a month from now, I say roll out the A squad for the for the can champ because it's at least something in, in what's quickly becoming a, a mathematically uh, certain lost season, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm of the mind that you roll out your A team when when your pride's on the line, especially when you're when you're you know you're getting murked every weekend. So I don't know. Well, I hate to look at it even this way, but just from a marketing standpoint, like this game's gonna be played at Tim Hortons Field. So you know, in terms of your home fans, you're probably gonna want the best squad in front of them versus like a game on the road and that doesn't matter for much beyond a trophy so that's i know that's not exactly how they think internally but it, it might be you know there's paying customers versus just whatever happens at tim horton's field oh it's i think also, so yeah sorry it's also a chance to roll out your young guns too right tfc mm-hmm. have been trying to pick up points at every single point this season they it's haven't so had insane. much <laughs> they haven't had much chance to to you know afford the opportunity to roll out their young guns and mm-hmm. you know we, we are going through I guess we're we're coming out the other side of a pandemic, hopefully, um, and there will be more opportunities moving forward. But it's one of those rare opportunities where you can actually go out there, roll out your own guns, and I think the fan base would be okay with that from a TFC perspective. Forge fans might not be too happy, but I personally think like they can at least see the logic behind them doing that. What what kind of galaxy brain logic is that to like roll out the young guns not during a weekday match against you know? team david beckham but at a cup final <laughs> like, because again it's, it's what the it's what the cup final means versus what the regular season still means for for the club as a whole i, I know it's mm-hmm. it, we'll, we'll see what point we're at when this game if this game i'm still gonna say if this game yeah yeah you gotta say if, who, yeah, who yeah. the heck knows uh gets played like uh, yeah, it's, the regular season does matter more than this until Hunt. it's literally mathematically impossible. A hundred percent. And, you know, they are going to be playing a Canadian Premier League side, so it'll probably be the, the weakest competition they've played this season. No offense to Forge, which Forge is a fantastic Canadian Premier League side, but they're not an MLS side. So, as I mentioned, like it's an opportunity for TFC to, you know, have some rotation in their roster finally mm-hmm. um but as you said a lot of it comes down to also when this game gets played now canada soccer has you know has said that this game's gonna be played before july 2022 so there is a lot of time between now and then for when this game can get played if tfc perhaps don't make the playoffs and you know forge isn't isn't shaping up right now to have a have a strong run in, in the Concacaf league then you know, maybe they play it at the end of like October or end of end or November or something like that. So, you know, if, if people are rested, then, you know, perhaps that's the it's case. Not, but again, it's a good shout, Mike, actually, yeah. you know, once, once everybody's, once the dust is settled on disappointing seasons, just br- trot them out and let them, let them eat each other. I, I, I think that's <laughs> not a, it's not a bad shout at all. Yeah, and at this point, it's honestly like a, a lose, lose for TFC. Like there's no, if they beat forge, like, Congrats, I guess. Because wow. they're expected they're expected to beat Forge, are they not? No. They're the, high, they're the team with the height. You don't think so, Jeff? Not this TFC squad. I'm I think sorry. they're still heavily expected. Come on. To beat Forge. <laughs> yeah, fine. By bookies that look on paper, but I mean we've been watching this team for a while now. I think I don't think Forge has ever had a better chance of beating big bad TFC than they do right now. 
Sure, but they're still heavy favorites. <laughs> okay. The the TFC is the highest spending team, or could be the highest spending team in major league in major league soccer. Bottom have- of the table, doesn't matter. I mean, show me show show me the proof of, of of that that roster, right? Like there are lots of there are a lot. I mean, John Carter caught, was one of the most expensive flops. Ishtar, right? It's it's easy to spend money on garbage. I you know the the at the end of the day, uh, highest roster means nothing unless there's there's something to prove on it, right? We're la- we're la- we're bottom of the table. What, what you know? Are we patting ourselves on the back for spending money to achieve nothing? We're bottom of the table, guys. I don't. I don't think it's well, that's what we're saying at all. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do think Toronto FC will go into that game as as heavy. Heavy. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Of course, of, of course, yeah. just simply because of the tier that they play in, the league mm-hmm. that they play in versus the other league that they play in, recency bias, uh, uh, paper on paper bias, all that other stuff. I am saying that in their current incarnations with their current rosters i don't think ford has ever had a better opportunity to put one over on tfc mm-hmm. and i think That's the fair. canadian Premier league in general which makes this competition so interesting like montreal's had a pretty good season they might mm-hmm. have the favorites right now to to win this thing um which make them back-to-back champions in some weird way considering how, <laughs> how odd this this whole thing has yeah. got but yeah. um i i definitely think that uh yeah that that you know there's no really high flying Canadian MLS team right now, which gives some of these Canadian Premier League teams and the one leg format gives them a chance to just yeah. pull off a couple upsets and go on a run here, which which might make things fun. But look, we're 34 minutes into this show, and I can't believe we haven't gotten to this yet. But the fact that Michael Bradley didn't start an MLS game. So I mean, weird. We're talking about the transition a little bit and and you know where the club goes from here, but you know, he's been involved in two hundred and forty two games and two hundred and forty of those in MLS he's been a starter for. So yep. like this this was an incredibly unique situation. Um I don't know how soon we'll see it again now with the, the Ralph Prizzo injury news, but yeah, what what did you make of that? And I, I think I think it is a positive now that the club, that the new coach, Javier Perez, is willing to make this move because, look, I think at this point in the season, it's pretty clear nobody's spot on this team should be safe. And if you're taking Michael Bradley out of games, and again, Michael Bradley, I think, has been one of Toronto's best players this season, at least most consistent players, but he hasn't been great as of late, so he comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't. It's hard to argue against it because of the way that Ralph Prizo has played, right? And I think TFC right now, as as Perez has been saying, like they're a team that's looking for energy. Um, and I think you know, as we talked about last week, Jeff, mm-hmm. with the other players that are on the pitch right now for TFC, they need energy because those other players don't necessarily offer the most. Uh, they don't cover the most ground. Let's say. Right. So when you have players in your midfield now who can get up and down the pitch more efficiently, then it's 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 a better recipe for success than having uh, someone who's, you know, still a very good player, but someone who's definitely aging in Michael Bradley, who, you know, isn't the same mobile Michael Bradley as he was five years ago. Um, yeah. Which is, the, mm-hmm. I was going to say, which is why I think when TFC do play their next match Wednesday, have your prayers if you're watching this, please, because I know I want to see this because it actually had a lot of success last season. 
I want to see a midfield, a, a 4-2-3-1. I want to see Arouet right back. And then you have, you know, if they're available, Omar and Chris Mavinga. And then I'm, I'm a toss-up for me right now between Justin Morrow and Kamar Lawrence as the back four. And then mm-hmm. the two center mids, holding mids, I want to see Jonathan Osorio on the left and Mark Delgado on the right. Because those guys had a ton of chemistry last year. They found a lot of success when Michael Bradley was down injured. And it, it's proven to be worked. And they offer a lot of energy. And then you have Pozuelo as the number 10, obviously. And on the right wing, I want to see Richie Larea. Because we've seen what he can do when he's freed up down the right-hand side. Obviously, the left Soteldo and Achara up top. I think that's a recipe for success. Now, again, a lot of it goes into that. But I, I would love to see that midfield because when Michael Bradley wasn't in the game and there was more energy in the midfield, it, it worked. Like TFC looked a lot more dangerous. They looked like they were covering a lot more ground. And they looked like, honestly, they were a team that, that was playing on the front foot and a team that was tougher to play against. Now, this isn't, again, Michael Bradley's class act in Toronto. This isn't meant to be a shot at him at all. But at the end of the day, I think there are better options there in center mid for this this current makeup of this team. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that at all. Match? I don't know if it's it's always the case, but I do think like uh, I do think that Bradley can't play any game anymore. I think it matters which opponent you're playing, what what the you know style they have looks like like i do think there's still games where michael bradley should absolutely be a starter and i think that's yep. more games than not but i think there are also teams that you're going to come up against where you know you do want a little bit more pace and and a little bit more of what osorio delgado can provide in the midfield i you know i certainly agree that that's probably their best combo right now and and maybe even ralph over one of those two that being delgado if if and when he gets healthy again just considering what we've seen from him recently, which has been really, really good, like top top class stuff from from Ralph. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think it depends on the opponent, but I do think that you need to be willing to to take Michael Bradley out when when it just doesn't make sense to have yep. him in there. And and you know, again, I think that's not that often in a season, but I do think it it will happen more and more as we move forward. Yep. Yep. I think, I think it has to be an option on the table for so long. It hasn't, it's been, Mm -hmm. it's just not been possible. And I think we're starting to see a situation now, baby steps um, into a position where he's not a a, a starter 100% of the time. And there's a willingness both from the player and, uh, and the, and the gaffer to adjust and maybe sit him maybe sub him out or or have him start on the bench or not even dress him at all in some in some situations and i think that that it's long overdue um and it's not a knock on the player it's it's um it's a knock i i think you know having having michael shield having bradder shield omar and zavs especially is a recipe for disaster so if we don't have mavinga on the field i think you know, having Bradley out there maybe becomes a bit of a liability. So, so his, his minutes may be incumbent on, on Mavinga's health, um, which is, you know, again, this sort of like causality between who can play with each other and, and this lack of depth and, and, you know, how, how quickly the whole apple cart goes down if one person isn't available for selection. 
is is a nightmare situation right now. But but I you know in terms of Bradley, he, th- there has to be an adaptability. I don't like like Mitch said, there, nobody should be guaranteed starting on this team. I, I think the game plan has to take precedent. Yeah, and who knows? Would... Maybe this lights a fire under Michael Bradley. You know, obviously mm-hmm. he was first, as Mitch mentioned, like one one of the first times he's ever come off the bench. Maybe he takes that as a little bit of a slight to him. Okay, you know, I need to step my game up. Who knows? And Bradley mm-hmm. comes back and, you know, returns to, you know, how good Michael Bradley that we know he can be. And he when he controls and dictates all the tempo in the middle of the park. Again, a lot of that comes down to how TFC want to play. Mm-hmm. But if they want to play like they have been the last match and a half, then, I, again, I'm finding it tough to find ways to include Michael Bradley in that. Mm. Would be nice to have Liam Frazier right now. That's all, <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> Would be another, nice. Another midfielder for our for our tank, like people, you know, guys that deserve minutes aren't getting them. I, I you know, it'd be nice to have attackers uh, as a mm-hmm. I would I would trade a hundred Liam Frasers for a for a decent number nine at this point. So, you know. Well, I mean, speaking of attackers. Let's let's get into it because I think people in the comments section have been asking about it, and I I, I want to hear this debate because honestly I've I've been away for a couple of games, so I haven't really watched Toronto FC as closely as I you know wanted to or usually would, and have been hearing as as per usual some very conflicting reports on a certain Jefferson Soteldo, his value that he brings to this team, whether he's a designated player at all. Uh, there was there've been some tweets mentioning he's a TAM level player. Um, and uh, I think tip I to know- Dwayne Rollins. That was, uh, yep. that was Dwayne's, uh, uh, knee jerk tweet. There you go. Yeah. I, I want to hear both sides of the debate and I think we have both sides to some extent in on this show. So, um, who wants to start here? <laughs> Jeff, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. I want to hear your reasoning. Listen, I, I, unfortunately, uh, my wife and I were in uh, section 112. So we were on the, the, the exact perfect angle to watch uh, the second half. Yeah. Attacking. Yeah. Attacking uh, for that game. And uh, I, I, I cannot tell you how disappointed it, disappointing it was. Um, and I think the most profound disappointment was how often pause and yeah, found themselves in the exact same space, the exact same space created on the wing and then had to make these piddly little, not even ticky tacky passes, but like almost tripping over each other. And, and, and that was alarming. I mean, that goes above and beyond all of my problems with, with, with Yef's game and they are legion. Um, but the fact that, that it seemed to limit pauses ability to be the magician that, that he's proven to be, I think that cannot be ignored. Um, and I don't know what's going on there. Is it that they've both been given too free a role and they both have the same instincts, in which case I want pause in that space because I know what we've got in pause. He's the reigning MVP. I don't want Yef jumping over his feet and limiting his options. Um, you know, it's what, it's what Dwayne said. It's getting very difficult to... It's it's getting very difficult to agree with this signing as a DP level signing, you know. This team didn't need another winger, and I don't. And and at the end of the day, sometimes a deal that's too good to be true is too good to be true for a reason. 
and and you have to be strong enough to to leave it on the to leave it in the store and and not buy that extra dress that you think you might wear or that extra suit that you think you might wear just because it's on deep discount because it may just be sitting in your closet forever. Yeah, I completely completely disagree. <laughs> I know you do. I, I know you do. I'm not even like I I don't know how Listen, at the end of last game, especially towards the end of last game, very frustrating where Soteldo would beat his defender down the line and, you know, some of his crosses would go right to the goalkeeper. They'd go out of bounds. You know, that part was extremely frustrating. But how can anyone look at this guy and tell me he's not a designated player? I that That to me doesn't doesn't make I, sense to me he's, whatsoever. He's so much fun to watch, Mike. He's it's not even about how fun he is to talented. watch. How, it's how effective he's been. And how, how, we 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 lost. We're 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 eking out draws. What what effectiveness? I mean, but that how all falls on Soteldo's shoulders. He's a designated player. Some of it does. He can't. So be, hold on. He can't be hold on. Why are we ignoring beat? the elephant in the room? Then there's two designated players on the pitch. Mm-hmm. TFC have a designated player number nine. How are we pointing at the fingers at Soteldo, who is outplaying New England Revolution, constantly beating his guy down the line when his guy knows he's going down the line, but yet we point fingers at Jefferson Soteldo and say Poor, he's the issue on this roster. Like clearly the issue, no, no, issue jo- is Josie Altador. Josie's like, a humongous issue, absolutely. That's that's the issue though. But Josie TFC wasn't. Josie was an issue when we were courting signing Jefferson Soteldo. This is so so. Instead but you of, have that on your roster. You're, you're using mm-hmm. a designated player spot on a number nine. Sure. And you have Io Akinola, by the way, which we're just overlooking, that just had a season-ending injury. So you have depth there at number nine. Plus you had Dom Dwyer coming to the mix. Who knew what Dom Dwyer would be? There's no way you can tell me that the best position that TFC needed to sign this season was a number nine. When you have, you're already investing a DP spot in that number nine. You have Io Akinola, who led MLS in goals per 90 at number nine. And you have someone like a Dom Dwyer at number nine, let alone Patrick Mullins as well, and Jordan Perusa. Hey, man, don't There's no no, no Patrick Mullins. I love Patrick Mullins. Start him every game. But there there's was no way he's he's the that's the main need. There's no, no way you have that. You're betting on the fact Josie Altera can bounce back. You have to bet on that fact because you're using they a player spot they on. They weren't. They were they were they were they were actively pursuing Bore. So somebody with smarts in that organization. Hold on. Hold on. How do we mm-hmm. know that? It was a, when there's smoke, there's fire. And even if they were okay, again, we're going Bore, off a of room, but potentially they were okay. Potentially they were, which suggests that somebody in that organization said, "We got a whole lot of variables here at the head of our attack. We've got a DP player who hasn't been performing for years, who's 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 dropping off a cliff, but is an albatross contract." But you said yourself can't... you would never bet against Josie Altador. You said multiple times. Mm-hmm. Pardon. You've said multiple times that you would never bet against Josie Altador. Right, but I would never but I would also never have him be my sole number nine option at the head of the but attack. But they weren't. Ayuakanola yeah. was healthy and also an unproven, factor too. But also an unproven concept. Ayuakanola had one good year. I but mean, you are you well, have those as your number nine. Year. You have those already at your number nine. Like Listen. you're you're regardless, those those are invested. You can't change that. Okay. So you have to work do, with what you have. Do do you or do you not think that signing Soteldo was at least influenced by the fact that Santos had to get rid of him and we could get him at a discount? 
yes, when you get a player of Soteldo's caliber at that price, you cannot pass that up. I don't think any team in Major League Soccer would say no to Jefferson Soteldo on their roster. And no team on Major League Soccer would say no to uh, P.T. Martinez or Ezekiel Barco. Same difference. And they're having the same I mean, Jeff, effect on their team. You're this, Jeff, you called Soteldo... Erickson Gardo and Ar- Armando Cooper. Mm-hmm. Like I know you haven't. He hasn't been your favorite this season, but come on, he's proven you wrong there. And How? I think he'll prove he's proven he more points already than them. So tell those Erickson Gardo. No, but but I but I don't think he's the second coming of of sliced bread. I mean, the guy can dribble. That's great. His crosses are Schaffelberg. What about quality. what about like, the, the stat where he? He was in on TFC's what six of his last seven goals came through Jefferson Soteldo. What about that stat? Hold on, I'm just reading this. Uh, listen, th- li- are we winning games? Is he changing games? Is he? Is... Play, you, okay, one, you can't pin that on one player. My, no, but my... you, but you, ha- he has to have some of the responsibility. This isn't a tan sure. player. This isn't an academy signing. Okay, but what about Pizuelo then? Millions of dollars. What, what about, about Pizuelo? He's the he's the he's the reigning MVP, and he and has he been reigning MVP status this season? Yeah, but he's been at once. What's Soteldo? Twenty four years old. Coming into his first season in Major League Soccer, listen, listen he's a techie <laughs> winger. It's fun. He's great to watch. But th- but this hand waving away, everybody is saying, "Oh, get him a new squad." Well, why did we sign him if we have to if we have to rate if we have to burn the whole team down to the ground to have to have any success with this guy? Like you know, so or, or you're saying if TFC had got a number nine, TFC's fixed. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that a number nine was a way better thing to look for than another. Luxury winger. This is a salary cap. I, I don't think so. Winger. I think it, I think it's a chicken and egg situation, Jeff. Because if you get that number, like it doesn't matter who the number nine is. It it's the service that's been part of the issue, and then you also have, you know, the the finishing, which has been an issue as well. There's been what two, maybe three Toronto FC players who have had good offensive seasons. Two, okay. I, I would say that is, is as yet Nola, who's out for the year, and Jonathan Osorio. Who's yeah. been quietly very solid offensively. So you have no one finishing the chances, and you didn't have many chances being created in general. So at least Soteldo solves one of those issues in the sense that he's been creating a lot of chances for Toronto FC. So if you get a number nine, you're in the same spot because sure you have someone to finish those chances, but there's no one else to create those chances other than Pozuelo. So I think there's a lot that's broken here, and I think that pinning it on Soteldo. I'm again, not. Which, I'm not pinning something... it on Soteldo. I'm yeah. not pinning anything on on Jefferson Soteldo. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that I'm that I see a humongous disconnect between people that are that are like he's an exciting player, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just wait, just wait for it all to click, and we're waiting, and well, I uh, see nothing. Yeah. But what also, happened Jeff, to the you... stat that Soteldo literally was on in on TFC's last six of their seven goals? What happened to that stat? Cool. We're we're bottom. It's not a luxury winger. We're bottom of the table. Which is, but again, you're so you're pinning it on Soteldo. No, I'm just saying a DP, like we can throw out all these stats and say, isn't it wonderful that he's contributed to the goal? Pozuelo's not doing it. So what about Pozuelo? Who would you you rather have on the team? Yeah, for Pozuelo. At this point in their careers? Jefferson's set 24. Pozuelo's, what, 31? No, he's not 31 yet. I think, 29. Yeah. I don't think he's oh, over 30 Oh, let me check that. Maybe you guys are right. Um, but yeah, sure. He's third. Okay, yeah, 29. Maybe just 30. 30. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It turns 30 in September. 
like again, I think you need all. You think you need both of those pieces on their team. I don't think it's one or the other. I think the problem again that which we're just overlooking is the fact that they don't have that third designated player, and that third DP should, in theory, be this number nine that you're hoping for, which he's just hasn't been. So instead of us bickering about Pozuelo or Soteldo, I love you guys. I don't. I'm not yeah, no, you know what I mean. But yeah, instead yeah. of us arguing about Pozuelo or Soteldo, like we should be putting our focus on the fact that TFC's designated player number nine is not a designated player number nine. That I mean, that's that's just a given at this point. That's a but given then, to me. But then, if that's just a given, then I don't know, man. That we're arguing about hypotheticals here that are construed because of the fact that they have no number nine. I I okay. And if I'm agreed, agreed, it, it's it's hot in here, so I'm. If Iwakanola is healthy, I don't know if we're having this conversation either. Iwakanola is mm-hmm. out for the season, right? And I, he is that that number nine. So I don't know. I will also say, and again, this is limited sample size because I haven't watched like full, full games, but I've liked what I've seen from Achara and maybe he's a solution there, at least for the, for the next little bit, because I, I really like what I've seen from him. And I, I think that he has a lot of those qualities that, you know, we get from best case Josie and from Iowa as well. I guess. I guess. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, the hyperbole on Iowa is, is pretty major. He's not a proven commodity. We have, we have, we have, he has a potential. He's a prospect. Oh, he's not. He had one good year. We got, there's got to what be about this year? There's got to be consistency. So wait, what about this year then? Jeff? The only thing that's consistent is that he gets injured and breaks hamstrings and goes out for, for extended periods of time. So, I mean, yeah, that's why you're wilding out right now. Just yeah, I, don't, I, I, I disagree. I disagree. I think, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. We're at the bottom of the table, man. Like, you know, when, when do we start saying maybe the, maybe these guys aren't as good as we think they are like, or, or maybe they're not ready for prime time yet. Like where's Jaquiel Marshall ready. It's time to bring out this guy that everybody wants, but he's not even getting any minutes. Like where is the quality? He's injured, by the that, way. Well, again, I mean, where, where's the quality? <laughs> surprise, surprise! Another TFC player is injured. Like, hey, they've uh, kept their team pretty healthy this season, aside from like yeah. major, like injuries, to, like major players, which is like honestly some bad luck. But for the most part, they've kept their, their team healthy. But regardless, man, like again, I think just circling back and kind of wrapping this all up, like mm. the problem is not, in my opinion, at least, is not Jefferson Soteldo or Alejandro Pozuelo. Like you got to look at a lot of the pieces around them, and in, in particular, you have to look at the fact that TFC's designated player number nine is not a designated player anymore. And obviously, again, you couple that with the injury to Iowa then of course we're going to be asking where the heck is this team getting goals from? Because those were supposed to be our two major providers of goals. So, I, I, yeah. I, I hear you, Jeff, because you you know it's it's really results oriented that you're thinking out of an and, attacking and, and, DP. And and there's also there's also a standard for a designated player. And I don't think we've hit that standard. And it's not he's not Seba, and I'm not comparing him to Seba. It's not I'm not doing that. I don't think anyone in the league is Seba, by the way. I, there's no, no, there's no, no the there'll never there'll Seba never be another Seba. Uh, right. but let's but, make you that know, clear. We need to score goals. He's an attacking player. We're paying a lot of money to. 
and we're not scoring goals. He's he's gun shy. His crosses leave a lot to be desired. Um, this was a target of opportunity, and you know we we thought it was a, it was a great deal. We have to swoop in and get it. And I and I take issue with that kind of thinking, you know, because it doesn't address a need. It addresses a want and a desire, and you can get. I think it's. I think it did address a need, though. But anyways, we're just going to go in circles yeah. here because. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see I don't see anything that he does that Shaft couldn't have done maybe let without the dribbling or or Endo. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. You never seen Mitch's face like that. That's, That's insane, the first Josh. time on this oh show goodness. I've seen Mitch's face like that. There's more, you know to, there's more to soccer than fancy one We need to clip that. We need to clip Mitch's face. That is going to be the sell for our show forever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think there's more there's more to the game than fancy dribbles. There has to be. There is a lot more of the game than fancy dribbles, and I don't know, man. I think you're missing a lot of what Soteldo does. He keeps possessions in areas of the park that's probably the toughest to keep possession in. The ball, and then, and then nothing not. happens. What do we need the possession for if nothing comes of it? But so that's that's on Soteldo. That's on, yeah, because usually well, they're aimless like, crosses. Like he doesn't. There's no one running not, into them. Like they're just, true. they're just. Oh, aimless back passes end, to pause the of, and then... At the end of last game, I'll agree. You know, a lot of it was aimless crosses, but, you know, he still is whipping in, like, four or five good balls a game that no one's yeah. getting on the end of. It's Are Achara, maybe... It, you're telling me he didn't play one good ball that game. I mean, from what I saw, they were going straight to the keeper. And the two okay, guys there was, that were marking the, the, the two one play marking him for, for New England were happy to give him that. They were there was happy. one play off the, off the top of my head where Pozuelo, or Pozuelo, so Teldo cut in on his right foot uh, during the first half and whipped in a diagonal far post that had the BMO field like in, in awe. Like 100%, that was a gorgeous ball that Soteldo played in. And then there's a couple other plays where he's cutting in the middle, linking up with Paws, and you know laying it off to Marky, and Mark's not shooting. Like there's little things like that that you you, you know we're just overlooking because there's no end result. What about the countless times? I think there was like four or five times where Pozuelo inside the 18 yard box plays a gorgeous no look pass to Kamar Lawrence running doing overlap run, and he puts in a wayward cross. Why is no one talking about that? You want to talk about Kamar Lawrence? I don't want to talk. About <laughs> also, I guess yeah, we've probably run way too long on this, but it, I think it is what the people wanted to hear, so it, it's yeah. worth it. Um, I'm ashamed but, that I'm I'm not up to the challenge because I'm melting, but but that's I'm right. sure but, well, I'm sure we'll have more conversations about it. So we'll yeah, be let's yeah. not forget that the one Toronto FC goal did come off Jefferson Satelda beating two guys and finding Puzzwillo pretty wide open in the box, and then he was able to obviously find Osorio. So. It, I, I think him being ineffective is, you know, is is obviously a little hyperbolic. But yeah, I would like to see more from him in terms of in terms of results as well. But I again, to to Mike's point, I don't think I don't think you can pin all of that or even most of that on him because I think there's so many other deficiencies in this team right now that um, are are being obviously shown. Um. I don't even know where to move on from here. Because that, <laughs> that, that I mean, I, I you know, I, I threw a I threw a, a match there and, and wanted to see what kind of fire it would spark, but even I didn't expect it to uh, <laughs> to result in that. Um, so I guess we can just quickly look at the the week ahead for Toronto FC. We've we've mentioned before that we think this week is is pretty make or break for for the team. I agree. Um, 
yeah, I guess what what are we thinking about these these two games and and the chance that Toronto FC has to you know maybe make one last grasp for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think you you mentioned it there, Mitch. It's it's one last grasp for a playoff spot. And as we said, you know, earlier on the show, it's you got to win at least one of these games, if not both of these games. Like TFC, it's at the point where they've dug themselves a big hole where you know, they they need to pull out wins right now. And as Jonathan Osorio said, I'll I'll throw this in here. I think this is the same thing with Atlanta. No one's looking at TFC right now and thinking they're actually a last place team. Like when teams go to TFC, they know they're not going to be facing like, you know, just some sort of laughing stock. Like they are a decent team because of the, the quality of players on their roster. But yeah, this has to translate into results. And it's the same thing with Atlanta United. Atlanta United puts a lot of money into their roster. They have a lot of quality on their roster, but it hasn't translated translated into results. So something's got to give and hopefully that it's, it's in TFC's direction because these are both two teams that are, are desperately looking for three points. So it starts tomorrow and hopefully it's uh, going to be TFC coming out on the winning end of things. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what are we really fighting for now? We're fighting for a playoff berth where we're almost guaranteed to not have any home games. Uh, you know, so I, I, I mean, my, my question is this when, because there are so many deficiencies in the team, because we're hanging on to, to bad contracts, uh, uh, ineffective players, we're up against the cap. We have no roster spots left, you know, at the end of this week, do we start switching our focus to starting to see who we've got for the rest of the season towards the next one? Is hopefully a, not. Well, hopefully not. not. But, it, but <laughs> yeah, the, there is the, no definitely the potential exists that yeah that that could be the case that you need to you need to start thinking longer term. I think you know the transitions sort of started, but not as much as we would like it to have in terms of moving on from some of the older players. So I think you really, if you don't get a win this week, you really have to start thinking about, you know, which of the, which of the younger players even really have a future with this team, yep. which of the older players really have a future with this team. Let's try some different things. Let's, you know, let's get Javier Perez to take a deep dive into his website and see, see what, uh, see what different tactical nuances he can try out here mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. and how they'll, how they'll affect the side. And, yeah, look, I think I think they from the 2018-2019 transition, like there is proof of concept that you know you can get this club back on its yeah, and even just the parity in MLS, you can it doesn't have to be a multi-year down. You can get the club back to to winning again pretty easily, but you have to, you know, obviously make some tough decisions and that's going to be the case if if, you know, they roll over this next week. Yeah, because I mean, it se- it just it just seems like there's there's so much flotsam now. Mm-hmm. There's so much dead weight on this roster from top to bottom, um, you know. And and it's it we gotta it's got to be cleared house, you know. I, for, I, I, for me, Jeff, I think there's only two major issues on this roster. Major issues, and that's a your your DP number nine, who's not a designated player. Imagine how much more value you could get out of someone who's as good as a Soteldo or Pozuelo as a number nine. Imagine that on TFC. Like, that's scary. 
And the second one is, is you got to find a better option to replace Omar Gonzalez. I think mm-hmm. if, if those two, then you honestly, that transition becomes a lot easier. Cause if you can bring in a first choice center back as well as a DP number nine, this TFC team's looking a lot more enticing to me. I agree, but I but I think that's the first step. I mean, I want to I want to I want to know what we've got in some of these names lower down on the depth chart that we've been talking about for a long time. Uh, you know, time, the clock hasn't stopped. I want to know what's what's up with with the Okellos of the world. I I want to know what's up with the Jaquiel Marshall Ruddies of the world. I want to know what's up with the Jaden Nelsons of the world. There's a you know. And and if they're not ready for prime time, then then we need you know we've got an academy. There has to be a turnover, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just I just want to know what we've got. There's so there you know because let's say let's say we would get a new number nine, right? Well, if they go down and get injured, we are in the exact same space we were with this current you know not DP number nine. I want to know that we've got guys waiting in the wings. I, I want to know what kind of depth we have because we talk about it often. But what but you know at the end of the day when when we're forced to examine that depth, these people these guys are invisible. They don't get minutes. So so what what are we talking about here? I, I want answers to a lot of those questions. And I and I think that if we if we're out of the playoffs we need a we need to focus on answering those questions. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, Michael, do you have a do you have an injury report this week that, oh, that we can oh, run oh, for oh, you? I could, yeah. Hold on, awesome. hold on, hold on. Let's do that. Got to do it right, though. <laughs> it's the Michael Singh injury report. It's been All a right. while. I love Since, it. Since uh, I mean, yeah, I, I tweet one out at, before every game, but. Since Ivan, I see you in the chat just blowing it up. I got <laughs> you, man. I got you. Um, all right. So, Josie Altador, first off. Apparently, according to Javier Perez, he was dealing with a lingering issue in his lower leg. And this past week, obviously last week leading up to the game, it got became essentially unbearable for him where he couldn't, he couldn't play. He couldn't partake, so he needed to stop. Now, I don't know exactly what that lingering issue is, but what's happened is TFC now, I don't have a timeline for Josie Altador for his return, is we don't know when the next time we're going to see Josie Altador. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about, like, where's TFC getting their goals from, that's, an, that's another issue is, is the fact that Josie Altador is going to be sidelined for the next little bit. He's already been ruled out for tomorrow's match against Atlanta. So, you know, I don't know how long it'll take for him to get better. I don't know if he'll be back, you know, maybe next game, but it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to be too short term. Just reading in between the lines, no one really sounds too optimistic right now in terms Mm -hmm. of whatever that situation is. So, again, I don't know what the exact injury is, um, but something definitely to keep an eye on moving forward. Again, Subasa Endo, we talked about him, I think, two weeks ago, a longer term injury. Um, Subas is going to be out for, for a little while. Great. Um, <laughs> is obviously done for the season. And then Ralph Preso, um, mm. I guess positive news after the way that he limped off after last match. Um, it looked like he was a very serious injury on a ridiculous play that should have been blown Com- down. Completely unnecessary injury too. Mm. I don't, it's exactly. so frustrating. Exactly. Yeah. And he looked like it looked really bad. But it, it seems as though it's not as bad as 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 it first looked. Um, he'll stuff. be out at least this game or the next game and the next game. I I'd say, 
Um, but after that, potentially there's there's room for him to return again. I don't know what the exact diagnosis is, but it doesn't sound like it's as bad as as, what, as it looked. Yeah, it as, looked, as it looked. Yeah, it looked horrific, man. It looked like his he did his knee in, man. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Dom Dwyer, he hasn't been available like the last two three games. Again, questionable <laughs> for tomorrow against Atlanta United. There's a chance he does play, but it's a lower body body injury. Mm-hmm. And then Jaquiel is questionable as well for tomorrow with the whatever's undisclosed. So. That's uh, that's it. That's the injury report this week. And, you know, it, it hasn't been, as I mentioned, not the bad. Like, credit to TFC. It could have been a lot worse on the injury front this year. I think yep. they salvaged a lot of that. And thankfully, it's, it's kept my injury reports a lot shorter. Because I remember the, at the beginning of the season, man, I was yeah. finding trouble, like, you know, fitting you, all the characters you, into one and you, and you raise a really good point. I actually expected once we started playing at home again and we were doing road trips to different venues that the injury report would be monumental that suddenly everybody would go down. So, so credit to the medical staff. I know I've been, I've been, I've been giving them a lot of a grief at the beginning of the, of the season. This is much less than I expected. The vagary around the, around the actual injuries is kind of annoying. And there's been quite a bit of blowback on social media with respect to why we're not getting, you know, a, a more specific uh, injury. You know, sometimes you don't know. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes you don't know. It doesn't it's all have to that. be smoke like, and mirrors, right? Have you ever seen Bruce Arena do a press conference and he's <laughs> yeah. asked about his injuries? Like, it's it's hilarious. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. give you. He's like, "Why are you asking about injuries?" Be well, yeah, that's it. what they're they're being they're they're playing. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Carlos Heel's uh, injury real close to the chest. It, in New England, so. Exactly. So yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. It can always be um, worse. And we're not. Definitely. We're not. We're not owed those those detailed explanations, right? But, but uh, not the detailed know. ones. But we definitely yeah. are uh, required to get. They're some required sort of to, to disclose report, an yeah. injury, but they don't have to tell you exactly what it is, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So I mean, it could be it could be smoke and mirrors. It could be that they don't know. It could be gamesmanship. You know, it could just be embarrassment because you know everybody's breaking their their lower. They're getting lower muscle injuries, and that seems to be pervasive at this club. But uh, at least we know who is and who isn't. Is, is I guess what we're and and it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be at this point mm-hmm. in the season. There we go. All right, All right Mitch. Mark. I think that's a good place yeah. to wrap up. Absolutely. Before we do, just quickly wanted to mention, as Colin said in the comments, Canada men's national team tickets go on sale to, to the general public tomorrow. And obviously two massive world cup qualifiers coming up against uh, Honduras on the second, and then El Salvador on the eighth. Look, we know obviously there's going to be COVID restrictions. We don't know what the situation will look like by then, but if you're comfortable and if you have the opportunity, like get down to BMO field, let's, let's make sure that this atmosphere is, is befitting of this new Canada team that we have and the incredible players well, that sir. are on the roster, because you know, this team really has the opportunity here to do something special. And it, it does start with having a good home environment where they really fear, feel cheered on. And we, we know the impact that can make. We saw what that did for Canada against the United States back in October 2019. Having something similar to that is just going to carry this team through World Cup qualifying. So buy your tickets, get out. We'll, we'll see all of you there. And, and so excited to, to get back so to live Canada games at BMO Field. Uh, and they're reasonably priced, too. Reasonably yeah. priced. Starting at twenty five dollars, so guys, if you're looking for something to do Thursday, Thursday evening, get your tickets, and I'm sure it'll be very enjoyable. I promise you won't regret seeing this new generation 
in action, especially when you consider Alfonso Davies is back and he's worth mm-hmm. the price of admission on. Oh, his absolutely. Own, so. Without question. Mm-hmm. He's worth the price of admission. Now that's you know, a DP. Yeah. That's a DP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just sign Fonzie. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but no does complaints he fit a need, Jeff? Does he fit Pardon? in? No, all right, okay, all he's right, he's a wing back, Jeff. He's a wing back. It's a luxury player, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I do not say all wingers are luxury players. Arian <laughs> Robin in his prime. That's yeah. DP material. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about this next week and, <laughs> and every other week since then. But uh, absolutely. Let's, absolutely. Uh, let's wrap things up there, though. Huge thank you to friend of the show, Benedict Rhodes of KMPL.ca, for stopping by and all his insights on the game Premier League. Thanks, as always, to Sophia, Kevin, and Edwin from Footy Talks for making this show possible. Thank you to all of you for listening and interacting. Please, if you haven't already, go leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app of your choice. It does make a big difference in terms of supporting the show. So, on behalf of Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker, my name is Mitchell Tierney. Till next Tuesday. Cheers, guys. Uh-huh.